This morning, I'm going to begin my homily with a confession and a disclosure. I'm an actor. And uh, here's the photographic, photographic evidence, photographic. Okay, so there's, there's quite a span of time in these photos, as you can see. Um, the bottom left photo is me as a teenager, okay? And so this is 16-year-old Vanessa in my first major role where, um, <laughs> thank you, thank you. In that picture, I was actually playing a uh, woman of the evening, okay? Yes, yes. And that is my best come-hither look. That was like our practice. So, yeah, you can see what you're dealing with there. Um, towards the top right, I like to call this my prophetic picture because <laughs> I played a role of a mom who was pregnant, okay? And this is like shortly after we were married. That's my spouse, A.A. Ron. You can call him that, please. Yes. And um, shortly after that picture was taken, we found out we were pregnant with our first child, so that's why it's the prophetic picture. Bottom is the one time I convinced A.A. Ron to dress up and perform with me. Yeah, he was a centaur. So the, the love and the level of commitment was there. Um, he wore furry pants. Okay, and hooves. Top middle is probably my favorite role, wearing like the ugliest of wigs where I got to play a ghost. It was wicked fun. <laughs> so as an actor, I believe that the stories we tell and how we tell them are of the utmost importance. Long before we had scripture on the page, long before it went through any councils, it was told as story as rhyme or verse, as song. There was an eloquence to it. Every listener would hear it differently as the telling would always be different. And that is what I love about the Psalms, and especially about this passage, this poem, kicking off our season of Lent. So any story has exposition, a backstory. The exposition of this story is that the psalmist is recalling the Israelites' time in the wilderness. Some of you might recall that God's chosen people, the Israelites, were kept out of the promised land due to a corporate failure in believing in God's provision. Therefore, they were left to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years for the original goaded leaders of the community to pass on. 40 years of not getting to receive the fulfillment of their salvation. At least that's how it seems, right? They were promised something and they couldn't have it. God seems like the punishing parent taking away ice cream. However, even in this wandering, they were provided for. During the day, God guided them with a cloud pillar, at night by a pillar of fire, these two mystical and fantastical provisions never actually left them. During this time of wandering, they also never had to want for food and drink. God sent them manna, a kind of bread, quail for the meat lovers, and water from stones. When we consider this little bit of detail, God is a patient and complicated <laughs> lead character who never leaves the side of their beloved. 
So in this psalm, the psalmist, whom the author wishes to attribute to David, recalls this time, a time when consequence meets deep love and care, when bitter and sweet can coexist. The movement of thought in this psalm follows a similar path and pattern to other Davidic psalms. First, there's a declaration of faith. Oh my God, in you I trust. Then a petition for justice. Do not let me be put to shame. Do not let my enemies exult over me. Then an acknowledgement for continued instruction. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. For you I wait all day long. A petition for remembrance. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. And finally, a declaration of faith for the whole corporate body. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his decrees. As an acrostic poem, so each line starts with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the writer ushers the listener through an entire movement of faith. I trust you. Help me. I know I have work to do. Please forgive me and gift me your goodness. All the way to, we know who you are, God. Why is this important? What is it that the psalmist is trying to teach us? And now I'm going to give you a question. If you were to write one statement to make up a faith declaration right now, just as you are in your, in your current state of being, wherever you are on your journey, what would it be? So I'm going to challenge you to not talk to just one person. I'm going to challenge you to talk to three people. That's right, a group of four. Why? Because couples, you can just turn to each other, but if it's a group of four, you have to talk to someone else. <laughs> this is an education trick. Okay. <laughs> talk amongst yourselves. All right. Oh, hi. I am so glad that you guys got some good talking time. So I'm going to repeat my last words just to remind us of where we are in the story sort of like what Korean dramas do for like the first five minutes of every episode. <laughs> As an acrostic poem, the writer utilizes the Hebrew alphabet to usher the listener through an entire movement of faith. Why is this important? What is it that the psalmist is trying to teach us? Candace Simpson writes in Enfleshed, a collection of liturgies, on this first Sunday of Lent, the texts entangle at the places where our transgressions, our wrongdoings, our betrayals and complicities and regrets, collective and individual, collide with God's love. This poem takes us through an entire movement of faith utilizing an alphabet a beginning-to-end movement encompassing the entire basis of language, an entire movement of faith that perhaps captures a glimpse, an aerial view, if you will, of the entire movement of God's opus, love meeting humans 
where and when they need it, especially in the wilderness. So again, I'm going to ask you a question. Where do you need God to meet you in love in this season? Turn and talk to a friend, and I'll gather your attention when it's time. Talk amongst yourselves. So where do you need God to meet you in love in this season? Now, you may notice I haven't asked anybody to share yet this morning, um, and that's purposeful because these are very deeply personal questions, deeply personal. Your declaration of faith, where you need God to meet you in love, maybe isn't for public sharing, but perhaps the people that you shared with this morning can help meet you where you are. God's body of art, the theme of their entire body of work, told in multiple acts, is dedicated to the love of humans. From creation and stories of unbearable separation, of adultery and bastardization of faith, all this desire from God to sustain intimacy It rises and falls throughout the script. And here's where the tippy top of the rising action in the plot of our story is. The ups and downs leading to a climactic moment. Enter Jesus. God in flesh and the personhood of Jesus. In Jesus, God chooses to walk many miles in our feet, to feel the constraint of a human body and perhaps the great joys that come with it too, the joy of a smile and freshly baked bread, an embrace and falls too, I'm sure, skinned knees and hardened calluses. And before God in flesh, begins the great work of their ministry, they take on a highly symbolic journey fraught with difficulty. And this is what the season of Lent is all about. Mark 1, 9 through 13. It was then that Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan River by John. Immediately upon coming out of the water, Jesus saw the heavens opening and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. Then a voice came from the heavens, you are my beloved, my own. On you my favor rests. Now, if this reminds you of another legendary special son who was raised by human parents and saw a miraculous symbol descending upon him coming out of the water, it did for me too. (laughs) And like Percy Jackson... Yeah, you didn't see the correlation before, did you? But now you're not going to be able to unsee it. (laughs) Jesus must then go on a quest. Jesus goes into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, which is less an actual time frame, by the way, and more like a general accepted phrase in ancient culture for a heckin' long time. (laughs) Upon entering the desert, Jesus is tested. Now, what has bugged me my whole life 
upon like hearing this story as a kid is like, why? Like God is God with infinite powers, which Jesus has. What do they have to prove to us? Why waste precious time that he has left on earth in the desert proving to humanity that Jesus is above us all? Then in reflection, I began to think, what if I'm viewing this story from the wrong perspective? What if the camera needs to pivot and show me another point of view? What if the temptations weren't about showing us anything at all? What if the temptations were an opportunity for Jesus to enter into the horrors that plague humanity? to experience what we experience in such an extreme way that would level humans, but that could only test the divine. Then this wilderness wandering becomes a hero's journey to save their one true love. These 40 days and nights echo the consequences of the Israelites wandering in the, in the wilderness. Jesus walks the path that the divine trinity laid for the humans that they so love. Battling hunger, thirst, delusion, selfishness, and pride. There's a reason scripture doesn't say the exercises of Jesus, but the temptations. Jesus was tempted. They allowed themselves to feel that unique discomfort that comes with being fully human. Of course, we know the falling action and the resolution of the story. Jesus follows this discomfort all the way to its extreme end on the cross. He composes his movement of faith a little differently with his literal life story. He makes declarations of faith. I am. His call for justice is for his enemies to be forgiven. As the teacher, he instructs in the ways of God constantly. He petitions us to remember his body and blood enfleshed in our presence. And he, of course, leads us in corporate declarations asking of his followers, who do you say that I am? In the personhood of Jesus, the divine participates in the consequences of separation, of fracturing themselves into pieces to experience what it is to be human. And yet we know Jesus was never alone. God came upon him in spirit and they spoke constantly. Jesus experienced consequences alongside of love and care, just like an Israelite, just like a human. And perhaps the highest, sweetest note, operatic note of God's opus might be that, participation in the deepest valley of human condition, the consequences of someone else's sin, betrayal, selfishness, and violence. As we enter into this season of Lent, 
into this season of walking our own 40 days and nights in flesh, encountering our own unique limitations of flesh and its gifts. I wonder what it is you are meant to make of this journey. If Lent is all about encountering what it means to be human, facing down temptations of all kinds, what is plaguing you? I'm not talking about things typically associated with temptation like sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I'm talking about real sin, sin that harms others and self, dishonesty, hatred, bigotry, violence, selfishness, obsession. I invite you to question what weighs you down. What have you embraced with your time and attention that is ultimately not gifting you with anything, but rather taking something that you need? What might you be able to make room for in letting some of those trials go? Perhaps in releasing obsessive thinking of others or even your own feelings, you will find better ways of active caring. Perhaps in releasing mindless media consumption, you will find joy in mindfulness. Perhaps in releasing a need for right understanding and right believing, you will be able to compose your own movement or opus of faith. Perhaps you will truly live. I'd like to close our time with an excerpt from a poem named Making Space for the Sacred by Bridget's Grove. May we pause to bear witness to the world's turning, to our own place within the family of things. May we recognize that there is no such thing as finished as getting it all done. And may we step back sometimes to see and feel and sing. May we gather together with one another even when we are tired and when there is too much to do. May we share stories and silences. May we make a space for the sacred and for ourselves in our own lives. May we lay our hands on one another, feel the breath deep in our bellies, and allow the sound of center to rise up, filling the space between us with connection, belonging, and love.